Over the past year, I've been on a healing adventure. I've spent the past 12 months recovering from brain fog, pain, and chronic fatigue. Like any good adventure story, there have been highs and lows, losses and gains, and an incredible amount of personal growth and lessons learned. This journey has made me a better health practitioner and a more empathetic coach. To add more meaning to my experience, I wanted to create something that would help others to increase their energy, clear their mind, and restore their health. I created the Brain Fog Bible. The Brain Fog Bible is a 47-page guide that covers what I call the low-hanging fruit. It explores the most important areas to be assessed and addressed if you want more from life, but your brain and your body are holding you back. You can grab a copy at brainfogbible.com forward slash download. That's brainfogbible.com forward slash download. I believe one of the most important things that we can do is give ourselves the gift of truly nourishing the soul through time spent in self-inquiry, moments that still the mind, and practices that light us up and allow us to reconnect to the child within. Move, Breathe, Create is a platform that celebrates soul nourishment. Move your body to get out of your head. Breathe to give yourself mental clarity and calm. Create without expectation to fuel your inspiration and delight your senses. Come and join us over at movebreathecreate.com and use the code kombucha for your first month free. I'm looking forward to seeing you inside the community. From a young age, I was passionate about nutrition and helping people with their health. When I started practicing in the field, I realized that physiology and psychology are intimately intertwined. Some of my clients just needed to know what to do to feel better. And many of my clients knew what they should be doing, they just weren't doing it. Underneath it all, unconscious conditioning was getting in the way of their success. This drove me to uplevel my skill set and coach my clients to remove some of their mental roadblocks and reconnect with the wisdom of the body. I learned about the importance of embodiment and harnessing the power of emotions to get more of what you want from life. I started offering intensive one-to-one coaching packages and I launched my Grounded Goddess group program. I also wanted to create a free offering to help women understand the power of the mind, body, and emotions. I created the Grounded Goddess Blueprint. The Grounded Goddess Blueprint is a 43-page guide that will help you reconnect with what you want from life and teach you how to build your roadmap to create it. It will help you understand why you often find yourself going round in circles and engaging with self-sabotage. If you feel stuck, overwhelmed, or frustrated with lack of results, you want the Grounded Goddess Blueprint. If you want clarity, understanding, and more success, you want the Grounded Goddess Blueprint. Just go over to groundedgoddess.co.uk forward slash blueprint and grab your copy. That's groundedgoddess.co.uk forward slash blueprint. Hi, I'm Shay, and welcome to Kombucha and Color. Kombucha and Color is a weekly podcast hosted by me, Shay Dyer, a yoga teacher and creative graphic designer, and Anna Marsh, a functional medicine practitioner and women's health coach with a love of all things health and fitness. 
This podcast is here to inspire women to embrace health and live life bright. You can find more about me, Shay, at shaydyer.com. You can find out more about me, Anna, at annamarshnutrition.co.uk. And each week we will be bringing you inspiring content for a healthier and happier mind, body, heart, and soul. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Kombucha and Color. And today on the show, it's just me and Shay. And to be very honest with you, I think this is a challenging episode today, um, potentially an uncomfortable episode today, because what we really want to talk about is the anti-racism movement that um, if you've been, if you haven't been living under a rock is pretty prolific right now, um, very much center stage in terms of what's being shared in the media, particularly social media. And we thought it would be really important for us to step up and to share some of our views our own inquiry, some of the things that we've been reading, some of the things we've been thinking about, some of the things that we've been working on in support of this movement. And, you know, just to really um, help our listeners in terms of developing their own awareness and getting curious about their own conditioning and their own patterns and their own need for self-education. And I think before we get into this episode, we just want to say at the beginning, like Anna and I are also still on this journey and we are very much going to get things wrong. Like that is just part of this journey. This bit of being uncomfortable is getting things wrong. And you know what I was saying to Anna before we hit record was that, you know, there is in the wellness world and the spiritual world, quote unquote, is that there can be a real sense of spiritual bypassing because we always promote and say, you know, in order for us to grow and develop, we need to get uncomfortable and step outside our comfort zones. And there's so much that development that happens outside our comfort zone, but then we're not actually willing to do the work that really makes us uncomfortable because it's scary to put yourself out there and perhaps be criticized for not doing it right or getting it wrong. So like this is where we're stepping up now and we're willing to say like, we're going to get this wrong and we're wanting to try to develop and to to get better so that we can have more impact where it matters. So yeah, just pre-framing that. And also we're not experts on this. We are learning this as we go and we want to share with you our resources and the things that have helped us. And we are wanting to get some black people and people of color onto the show so that they can share their learnings with us. But also something that I have learned and read over this past time is that it's not up to black people to educate us. We need to be doing the work ourselves. We need to be educating ourselves. There's many resources and books and um, podcasts and platforms. And we'll share some of those things too that are there for us to do the work if we're ready. So this is just the kind of first step for us just to put this out there to let you know where we are and hopefully it will encourage you to take a step on this journey too. So I guess the first thing I want to say is I haven't watched the whole video of George Floyd and it came up in my social media feed as I'm sure it did for everybody in their social media feeds and it was horrific and uh, you know as an empath I just uh, felt that I couldn't actually watch the whole video and it was so easy for me to go that's enough and keep on scrolling to distract myself and to tune out and to numb out from the reality of the situation and what was also really really interesting to observe in myself is that it was horrific but I wasn't shocked and I wasn't surprised that 
somebody was sharing a video like that on the media or on social media. And I think that that is really just a testament to the times that we live in, where these horrific things can happen. And yes, although they are horrific, they're not necessarily shocking because they are almost normalized by the, the frequency of their occurrence. I'm sure we'll get further on in this podcast a little bit about you know the pros and cons of social media and sharing on social media. But I think if it wasn't for social media and then the constant pressure of everything that people have been sharing, continuing to come up in, in my newsfeed and then the newsfeeds of everyone, this wouldn't have gained as much momentum as it has. And so I'll be very honest and say that my first instinct was just to tune out, mainly because I felt very overwhelmed by it. I felt very helpless. I felt very hopeless. I felt like I didn't know what I could do. Was there something that I could do that would even make a difference, that would even even really matter? And that was kind of my first reaction. And then I had to take a, a good look at myself and realize what I was doing in terms of tuning out and, and, and decide to tune in. And when it came to the point of tuning in, I guess then more, more questions began to arise. And now that I'm tuning in, what do I do with this? And I think this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And what I've been very aware of in myself is I've not actually at the time of recording this podcast shared anything about this online yet, not because I'm being complicit, not because I'm not in my own way starting to educate myself and do the work and raise my awareness because I really wanted to make sure that anything I shared was coming from a grounded place. And so I guess in terms of like this question about what next, what do we do? I feel like I, I don't necessarily have all the answers for that yet, but I have been questioning myself about what do I do in terms of speaking up online and what do I do? Um, you know, I, I'm a white woman with privilege. I have a platform and how should I use that platform? And, and what do I want to say if I do decide to use it? Because I think it can also be very tempting to just post a meme and a, a meme and a couple of hashtags and just go, I've declared myself safe, almost like I've declared myself good I've done my bit. I've showed that I'm in support of this and then go back into normal life. Like everything is the same and that nothing, you know, and I can just keep on operating from the exact same level of awareness and beliefs and values that I always have. So I have intentionally been very careful about not to do that, not to just post something online, you know, that's almost a little bit frivolous to just be like, okay, um, I've done my bit now. Now I can just go back into life as it was before. So that was kind of like the first little place that I got to share. I don't know if you wanted to share your experience. Um, so just something that I think is very important for us to touch on is that throughout this experience of George Floyd, like you've mentioned this tuning out, like I could just see this and I kind of tune it out. And I think it's so important for us to recognize that our ability to be able to tune it out, quote unquote, is 100% due to white privilege because it's not going to affect us. That kind of police brutality, that kind of event, it's easy for us to tune out because it's so distant, it's so far removed from us because of the institutionalized race, racism that exists that it's easy for us to turn a blind eye to it. 
because it doesn't affect us. And I think that's what's so hard for so many people to see. There's such a disconnect from it because it's so structural, the racism that is prevalent in our society today and that it makes it really hard for white people to see. Whiteness is such a neutral position in society that it's never raced. Like, even if I was thinking, I was thinking to myself when I was speaking to Anna about this and I, and I was saying to Anna that, oh, we must have some black guests on the podcast to hear their voices and to elevate them. And even saying this, it's like, I also have to make sure that it's not just like a tokenization of black people in order to like diversify, but really like, are we listening? Are we taking action? Are we paying attention? And even if, as I say that, if a guest comes onto the podcast that's black, it must be qualified as black. Whereas any other guest is just a guest mm-hmm. on the show. And so we have to take ownership of the fact that whiteness is not a race position in society. And w- because of that, it makes it so hard for us to be able to see how complicit we are in the structural system because it benefits us. And that's the hard pull to swallow because it's like we are complicit in this if we're not actively against it. Mm-hmm. One of the um, the books that I've been reading is White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo. And um, in the book, she says, racism is not an event, it's a structure. And I think it's really important to understand that the reason why we cannot even see all these things or we're never going to understand what we don't understand is because it's so deeply embedded in the way that society works on so many different levels. And the analogy I wanted to share this, there have been a lot of videos shared. There's there's a lot of information about this online, but the analogy I wanted to share was um, this idea of (laughs) a killer whale in captivity. So I read a book a while ago by a woman called Katie Bowman and the book was called Move Your DNA. It has nothing to do with racism, but I really like the analogy. So if anybody has seen Free Willy, (laughs) you know, you'll know that like killer whales in captivity, their dorsal fin is always bent over. Uh, And maybe that's something that you've not consciously noticed, but I'm sure if you were to go and Google killer whales in captivity, you'd notice that the dorsal fin is bent over. And so you would just assume that that is the way that killer whales are. They have a dorsal fin, which is bent over. But actually in their natural habitat, where killer whales are able to swim deeper underwater, they're able to travel at faster speeds, those forces which are exerted by water pressure on their dorsal fin keeps actually means that that fin, that dorsal fin stands completely straight. It's not bent over. Now, obviously, in this situation, we have the benefit of observing the killer whale in captivity, and we have the benefit of observing the killer whale in in natural habitat. But in society as a whole, I think no matter which country you're from, we are always in the fish tank. We are always just seeing things as we see things. So we believe that that life is like the killer whale with the bent over fin. That's just the way that things are. And so it's very, very difficult to accept that anything could be different or should be different because there's no other frame of reference. We are the experiment. We are in the fish tank. And that's that's what makes it so difficult to change these systems and change these structures because we, we can't actually see the truth. Mm-hmm. Just going back to that idea of racism as the structure, and this is why it's so difficult. Like people get caught up in like, oh, but I'm not a racist person. 
no, but you're still living in a racist structure. So mm-hmm. therefore you are racist because you're benefiting from the system, which privileges you. Um, one of the books that I've been reading by Rennie Edo Lodge is why I'm no longer talking to white people about race. And her thing about this definition of race is the definition between prejudice and race. And she says that prejudice is a personal impact or a personal preference rather, sorry. So prejudice is personal preference, but racism is that personal prejudice with power. And because of the people who are in power, which is generally white people, white men, white, that's just the whiteness is in power because it's this neutralized position that rises to the top um, or not rises to the top, but has oppressed so many people to be there for so many generations. And this analogy that she gives is that she was once going to get some food from a Caribbean vendor, street vendor, and he waited. There was a couple, a white family before her in the queue, and he waited for this white family to move away from his um, vending store. And he got the best cuts of meat, and he put it into her order, and he said to her, I always save the best for people like us. And she's like, the difference is that, is that there's prejudice. There he's choosing, that, that guy, the Caribbean and vendor is choosing to have a prejudice towards people of his own kind, towards black people, and giving her the best cut of meat. But that prejudice is not going to have any impact or effect on the white people's lives. Maybe it's, it's you know, has slightly less delicious lunch. But on the other hand of that, a white person who is more likely to be a CEO, top-level executive, who's deciding on jobs, who's deciding on healthcare, who's deciding on all these different systems, which are police force, all of those things, which are most often run by white people, there's prejudice and now there's power. And because of those two things connected, like it creates this real structural imbalance and it really has impact on the lives of people which are prejudiced against. So, that was like a really interesting thing to think about it like that. Like it's, it's not, it's not about your personal prejudice. It's about the systems and the structure that is that, that, that creates power to those prejudices. So yeah, I really like that as well. With the book that I'm reading at the moment, she's talked a little bit about prejudice, but she hadn't made that distinguish. Um, she hadn't distinguished between the prejudice with power piece, which I think is um, really, really important. So I've just learned something new. Mm-hmm. Just also going back to that idea of sharing on social media and kind of also this this ability of, are we ready to take action? And, you know, something that I was reading the other day is that it's almost like now this is, this is like this trendy thing to kind of be on this movement, but are you willing to, to do this work and maintain this work when this, I hope it's not a trend, but Right now, that's that's what everybody's talking about. It's very topical because of situations and life events. But are you willing to do the work beyond this? So I think it's really important that the work that we're doing now is not just a form of virtue signaling where it's like, oh, I'm one of the good white ones. Like, look at the memes that I'm sharing. Like, yes, sharing stuff on social media is great. It brings awareness. Although I think that mostly everybody is aware of what's going on right now unless you have completely put yourself underground. But do your actions match your words? Like, here, are, are we looking at the guests that we have on this podcast and how can we invite more people of color onto the show to share their voices? The people that we're following on social media are they all the same type of people. Like, how can we not just 
diversify just because it's a token, but really can we learn? How can we engage? How can we create more deeper understanding of what it is to live and experience outside of ourselves? And that's what's so difficult is in all the media and movies and TVs and in Rennie Edo Lodge's book, she also explains like how in media, in movies, there's no black characters that are the main characters of shows. And so children grow up believing that they're either the villain or they are someone that is kind of second rate to the main character who doesn't look anything like them. And we take it for granted. We don't even, we don't even register that it's, it's a thing that we have to think about because white people just are the center of the, the media. So yeah, there's a lot of unpacking that, that we need to do around all of this. I wanted to also just um, circle back to the social media thing because one of the questions that I've been asking myself is I've typically not used my my social media platforms to share like political messages or to share political opinions. I, I kind of keep it a little bit more straight down the lines of health and marketing my business and, and maybe a few personal shares from time to time. And so one of the biggest questions I've been asking myself is, um, is that right? And or is that right in this instance? Like, should I be sharing? Should I be using my platform to share this message and to communicate? Or I guess, I guess I'm trying to think of what I want to say, but to communicate this message or to help people in terms of resources and give access to more viewpoints. And it's something I have actually been grappling with all week. I read a blog by Leila Ifsad, who's the author of Me and White Supremacy. That was actually a very, very helpful blog for me to read because she touched on it. I don't know if you've read it, Shay. I haven't read the blog, no, but I, it's one of the books that I do want to read next. After yeah, that's this. on my next hit list as well. <laughs> um, but um, I'll put maybe put the link in the show notes. I think you'd enjoy reading it as well. But she addresses this directly in the blog about if you have a social media platform, however big or however small, and for someone like myself, and I think you as well, is our businesses are about helping people. And we don't want to help people just because it's fun, but we want to help people because we want to leave the world a better place. And therefore, yes, this doesn't have to be the only thing we post and the only thing we share about just because, as you say, it's trendy and it's the movement right now, but it's all part of this bigger picture and it's all part of the puzzle. And that really spoke to me. One of the things I've had to look at within myself is that uh, there was maybe this inclination to like, maybe I should just post something so because that's what everyone else is doing. And, and then everybody will know that I'm for this movement and, and then I can just, you know, then I can, then I've done my bit. And, and that's obviously not what I wanted to do. I wanted to be intentional with what I shared, but then there's this other part of me that's had this questioning about, why do I have reservations about sharing these political messages? Am I worried? And what it really comes down to me, not only in this instance, but generally I think it's about being seen as being too loud, too opinionated, too difficult, too much, too intimidating, too inflammatory, upsetting people. And that very much comes from this kind of good girl archetype, like wanting to, wanting to be the good girl, wanting to be the good white girl, you know, don't rock the boat, don't make people upset, just, you know, be nice. And I think with all of this work, this is about the shadow work. And the work is not posting 
the memes or not being, yes, I support you, I support you, but the workers really being able to look into the parts of you which are really uncomfortable and confront those things that you maybe don't want to confront and, you know, have these messy, imperfect conversations, not waiting to get things perfect and have all your facts straight before you can share without coming up against any conflict. Um, So that's something that I've been very aware of inside of me. And the reason for sharing it now in this podcast is because maybe that will resonate with other people and then they can look at that with inside themselves. Mm. It's so interesting because as you were speaking about this and you were saying, this is a, you're not sure if you should share your political views. And straight away I was like, but is this a political issue or is this a human rights issue? Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, I think it's got nothing to do with politics. I think it's basic human rights. And I think that like the more we can understand, like these are like human rights. It's fundamental like to us and it's a fundamental to well-being of all people. Mm. So I think like that's like a really big piece. And then something that you said about this, this feeling of, being afraid of conflict or not being too inflammatory or kind of brushing ourselves up against things that are uncomfortable. And I read somewhere on, it must've been on social media or something where they said that being criticized or being called out publicly is not in opposition to the work. It is part of the work. And so when you put something on social media or you share something and you get criticized by someone of the black community, like, that is an opportunity for us to be like, okay, what are they saying? How can I listen? Where can I take action? And we will get it wrong. Like we Mm. will get it wrong. 100% we will get it wrong. We like, it's part of the journey of us because it's not supposed to be easy. It is uncomfortable for us to, to go to these places because it requires us to, as you say, like look into these places of how we've been complicit in all of this. Um, in this book, um, Rainy Lodge, she's got a quote from Martin Luther King, which I just want to read out. And she, well, he speaks exactly to this point of being the good white person, the moderate white person. And these are the people who are actually more damaging to the structures and to the system. So I just want to read this out from Martin Luther King. First, I must confess that over the last few years, I've been gravely disappointed with the white moderate. I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's great stumbling block in the stride toward freedom is not the white citizen's counselor or the Ku Klux Klaner, but the white moderate who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice, who constantly says, I agree with you in the goal you seek, but I can't agree with your methods of direct action. Who paternalistically feels he can set the timetable for another man's freedom, who lives by the myth of time, and who constantly advises the Negro to wait until a more convenient season. Shallow understanding from people of goodwill is more frustrating than absolute misunderstanding from people of ill will lukewarm acceptance is much more bewildering than outright rejection. I love that. And I would say Mm. that that is admittedly that, that part of me, that shadow part that I talked about, Mm. that is the white moderate. And I agree. It's, and it's, it's, it's the part of us that's been complicit in a system that has benefited us for so long because we've never had to think about it. Mm. Yeah, indeed. Um, 
In terms of where to from here, I guess for me, I've been thinking about, you know, this idea of we've all got a limited amount of time, energy and resources. And so, you know, we, we talked about you can use that time, energy and resources to post on social media. You can use your time, energy and resources to create a document of, you know, resources or blogs or books or things that people can read to self-educate. And I think there's a lot of that going around already. For me personally, I feel like I need to spend more of my energy just educating myself, which is, and doing that inner work inside of me. And that is reading the books. I've got like a whole list and I'm very committed to not just reading one book, but reading several books and listening to podcasts and having conversations and taking the time not to just do, I read a book, it's like the token thing, but to really make sure that this is something that I look at so that I can acknowledge my privilege and explore my prejudices and explore my discriminations. And I guess the work, as you say, is also just staying open-hearted and curious in the face of feedback and and that acceptance that it's not about getting things perfect, but it's about actually making those mistakes so you can learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's also that thing of not centering ourselves, like, and even like you know, on this podcast, of course, like this is we've been doing this podcast now for a while, and we just want to share where we are in this journey. But we also have to be mindful, like we're not centering ourselves here. We actually have to elevate some other voices in this conversation. And before we do that, we have to also, as you say, like I'm also wanting to do this inner work, do the research, the reading, so that. I can come to it from a more informed place mm-hmm. um, already, even in the short while, like I've learned so much and I can say that like looking back, like I've definitely made mistakes in the past. Like, you know, ages ago I would, I, and I mean, I've been cartooning myself for since I was just out of university and I've always drawn myself. So it's a little blonde figure and I've continued that throughout my journey online and it was maybe about five or six years ago, somebody messaged me, a person of color messaged me, and she said, this is really damaging to the yoga industry because you are not sharing a black person or a colored person um, at the center of the stage. And I didn't recognize that as unfair representation. I just said, well, it's me. It's my story. This is my journey. It's a personal, it's what I, it's where I am. And And I also like, I have to kind of also like maybe find the nuance in that, like, how do I honor also just sharing my story in a truthful way, but then also making sure that I'm not misrepresenting the community or showing some way to represent the community in another way with more diversity in the images that I draw. And that's definitely been something that I I started changing after that. It took me a while to, to really feed that into my understanding of, oh, I see what they're saying. Like, I'm not representing it. I'm not representing people enough in terms of the population. And and over time, like, I started changing the, the skin tones of the people that I would join so that it was more representative. But at the same time, like, I still also have this personal voice of myself and it's um, there's that narrative as well. But right now it feels like white women need to not be in the centre and need to kind of back off a little to let other voices be heard. So yeah. yeah, there's that, there's that, there's that balance as well. 
Yeah, I think I, I, in in relationship to to my business and how I represent myself online, I think very much like you. It's I very much share my journey because that's my experience and that's designed to help people, you know, with their own challenges. This week, I just, I just, I mean, I just haven't been able to post anything. I've not wanted to because it just feels so irrelevant right now and 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 almost a little bit trivial. But that's something to consider moving forward. Mm-hmm. So we will put a whole list of resources together in the show notes with the different books that we're reading. And somebody also sent me on Instagram a document, a Google document of a whole lot of resources that a friend of hers is putting together with um, just different blog posts, articles, books, um, videos and things. So I'll share that in the show notes. Is there anything else that you want to add to where you are and kind of what you plan to do going forward? Um, I guess just to say, I guess to reiterate something that you said, which is, you know, you feel like you've learned so much just in the past week. And I think I would say the same. If we if we tried to record this podcast last week, it would have been a very different podcast in terms of the quality of the information and um, and how we express and share. The other thing is maybe just to say, as I said at the very beginning, is this is a marathon, it's not a sprint. If racism is a structure, it, it takes time for structures to change. And so I think it's important that there's there's definitely this like heightened awareness now that I think that we choose to not allow it to be something that just fizzles out and blows over when the next thing becomes more popular. Mm, I think that's really important. So if you have any resources available that you want to share or you know would be of value or benefit to people who are also wanting to move along in this journey of educating themselves, please do get in touch and we can add it either to the show notes or we'll compile a blog post or some page where you can grab all these resources and be directed to other people who may help you in this journey too. Awesome. Thank you so much, everyone. And see you again next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Kombucha and Color. If you have enjoyed or been inspired by our conversations today, please leave a five-star review on Stitcher or iTunes. Don't forget to share with friends and family. This will help other women find inspiration to live life bright. We'd love to connect with you on social media. Come find me, Shay, by searching Shay Dyer Yoga on Facebook or Instagram. You can find me, Anna, by searching Anna Marsh on Facebook or Instagram. And remember, you can always refer to the links in the show notes. See you next week.